This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, welcome to Something Rhymes with Purple. I never quite know what to say at this point, Giles, because our traditional mantra would be, this is the podcast all about words and language, but I feel like we have such loyal listeners that they already know what they're getting. But we have new listeners all the time, so they need to know it's about words, language, etymology, and occasionally I'm allowed to tell one of my name-dropping stories. People say, why do you always tell (laughs) me name-dropping stories? Because I think, well, two reasons I tell them. One is I find people interesting. And gossip and stories about people uh, intrigue me. And also, I, my father used to say uh, about because he told a lot of stories, a lot of my stories I inherited from him, and I think he inherited them from his father. He used to say that if you stop telling a story about a certain person, that's when they die. As long as people are telling stories about them, they're still alive. So that's why I keep telling stories often about people who nobody else has heard of. Anyway. Oh, no, that's lovely. Well, that's, I often talk about words that no one has ever heard of. So oh, we Frequently. Are, and even when you've yeah. talked about them, they don't remember them. I tell you what, <laughs> somebody came to me in the, the, this week in the street. They always say, hello, I'm a purple person. And I said, have you joined the club? And they said, what are you talking about? They hadn't heard of the Purple Plus Club. Oh. And so I thought it might be worth mentioning. We have a Purple Plus Club where we explore a little bit more about the origin and evolution of words. And I tell more of my stories. But usually we try and do a sort of deep dive into a particular subject. We've recently been doing a kind of A to Z of wit and wisdom and about all sorts of intriguing authors from Jerome K. Jerome to, I think the last one we recorded was about Thomas Mann, the great German novelist uh, and and a hero of yours, though in some ways a controversial figure. Anyway, Mm. um, if you like the idea of becoming a subscriber, you get all our main episodes absolutely ad-free. It's just $2.99 a month which is actually the price of a coffee uh, in your part of town in Oxford. It's a half a cup of coffee in my part of town in London, I can tell you. So mm-hmm. it, it's fun. And um, come and join us there. It's a little bit different, uh, and we enjoy it. So if you want ad-free listening and a few extras from Susie and me, do join the Purple Plus Club, two ninety nine a month. And where do they find out about that, I wonder? They go to our feed. So if they subscribe to us, um, which hopefully the purple people do, they will find information about the bonus episodes there. But we have to say, regardless whether you're a Purple Plus member, we never take you for granted. And we are really, really grateful that you um, listen to us week in, week out. So thank you for being with us. And uh, well, today we are picking a subject. I'm surprised we've not done this before, actually, because it's so central I've vetoed it every time it's come up. Oh, did you? Because it's a very sensitive subject (laughs) from my point of view. The subject is hair, H-A-I-R. And I am now follically challenged 
on top of my head, but not, it appears, in my ears or nostrils. Or uh, <laughs> Hair grows in all the wrong places. I can't get it to grow in the right place. So that maybe is why I've avoided this subject. It's a delicate subject, isn't it? It'd be a delicate subject for um, a lot of people, yes. Um, and I totally understand that. But it has had so much significance over the centuries, not just in terms of you know self-confidence and fashion, etc., but also in terms of religion and in terms of tribal allegiances, etc. So it's a pretty important factor in our life. And I remember the excitement when I worked for the Oxford English Dictionary when they found what we call an anti-dating, so an earlier record than we'd found so far of um, the phrase Big Hair Day, which, no, not Big Hair Day, <laughs> Bad Hair Day, <laughs> not Big Hair Day, although I'm sure some people do have um, Big they Hair do. Days. Um, but yeah, we discovered, or somebody discovered, that Bad Hair Day was around as early as 1988, which seems incredibly recent to me, but actually I think before then it was a, a lot later than that. And that's, of course, a day on which your hair is just so unmanageable and everything else seems to follow on from that. Can you begin at the beginning and explain, unpack the word hair itself? H-A-R-R. I can. It, mm. it will take me one second because it comes from the German ha, H-A-A-R. So it's a, it's a Germanic word um, and we inherited it straight from them. And the French word cheveux, mm-hmm. is that anything to do with cheval and horses? No, I don't think it is actually. Let me, that's interesting. I've not looked at the... And and why would a word like hair come to us from the German and not mm-hmm. from the, uh, either the, the Romance language, you know, Latin or Greek or, or French? Why, why are we taking these, what sort of words do we get from German? What are the Germanic words usually? Well, quite often it's words that were sort of so fundamental to life that yeah. actually, um, you know, they were there in Old English. And uh, I mean, but but not exclusively, because of course, very often we had a term for them in Old English. But then, as I always say, the French came along and French became incredibly fashionable. So we swapped. But uh, we didn't um, in this time. We didn't go for the, you know, for the French. But actually... We did have for a little while chevalet, or cheval, I don't know how we pronounced it in English, in the Middle Ages. They did borrow the French just for a little bit, but not for, for very long. And I'm just looking to see where cheveux actually comes from in French. I'm pretty sure it won't be related to cheval, which ultimately goes back to the Latin caballus, meaning a horse. But let me have a look. This is the sort of thing I love. Well... I hope. I think we should start with male hair, though oh. I suppose there are women who have moustaches, beards, a little Absolutely. goatee. But Sorry, I'm just going to, it does go back to the, cheveux does go back to Latin as well, but this time it probably goes back to caput, meaning head. Very good. Yeah. Okay. There so go. we've got hair. Staying with male hair for the moment, and we'll come uh-huh. on to things like wigs later. What is the origin of the word moustache? Now that does sound French to me. Moustache, um, yes, uh, but it travels a long way. So it travels to us from French, but actually via Italian and that in turn from Greek and so on and so on, where it has always meant and, and possibly goes back even before Greek. It's it's always meant something to do with the lips and actually may have begun with a word meaning that with which one chews, uh, C-H-E-W-S, oh. although, you know, nobody eats with their moustache, hopefully that wouldn't be that would be a very messy affair. Well, uh, often you get food. I mean, I have occasionally had a moustache, and you do get the soup and the food all mixed up in it. And then you've got to suck the moustache. You've got to put your tongue up and sort of put your 
upper lip inside your lower lip to get rid of all to clean it up. Uh, oh. I mean, what what do you make of a moustache? Do you like the look of a moustache? And have mm. you ever kissed a man with a moustache? And what's it like? <laughs> I haven't. I don't. Well, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't put it on my bucket list. Things I must do. <laughs> not my bucket list, but it's definitely not on my essentials list. And. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It can be quite a scratchy affair. Um, I, I was going to tell you, of course, worthing this entirely, that moustache isn't recorded in English until 1585. Oh. Um, and of course, in American English, it's moustache, moustache, M-U-S-T-A-C-H-E, whereas we keep the French uh, they actually, M-O-U. They spell it differently, do they? Moustache. They do. They do. How moustache. intriguing. So the big question is, Giles, have you had one and what was it like? I have had one. But only briefly. I had one when I grew a beard. I grew the full set. Uh-huh. And so I had a beard and a moustache. And when I took off the beard, I thought I'd leave the moustache for a short while. And I I think I looked like a sort of Second World War person from the RAF. That's what I looked yeah. a little bit like. And I didn't look like Hercule Poirot, <laughs> nor did I look like any of those 1930s actors who had those thin pencil moustaches to make them look stylish. I wouldn't have mind looking like someone like Terry Thomas. Do you remember he had the actor who had yes. a, a sort of moustache? So I abandoned Didn't it pretty quickly. he have that quickly. big gap in the middle? Uh, no, he had a gap not in the middle of his moustache, in the middle of his teeth. His, uh, uh, there was a gap <laughs> in his funny? teeth. But you saw okay. it was a little gap in his moustache. Yeah. I think his, his moustache went from side to side. There may have been a little gap to echo his teeth. Um, but a beard, I have to say, I'm not going to have a beard again because it's itchy, it's scratchy, and you have to maintain it as well. You can't well, just, true. you know, let it grow. You've got to trim it. Well, we do know someone who's just let it grow, don't we? Our colleague. Well, our colleague Richie, yeah. And I have to say, it does really suit him. But back to moustaches. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some of them. I mean, yep. you will have heard of all of these. You will have heard of handlebar moustache, which yes. is, you know, resembles a pair of bicycle handlebars. You've already mentioned the pencil moustache, mm-hmm. uh, as worn by Vincent Price. Oh yes. Um, there is the toothbrush moustache, which... Oh, yes, uh, as worn by Hitler. Well, yes. But actually, the first OED record of the toothbrush moustache dates back to 1904, so 26 years before the Hitler moustache is recorded. Forgive me for a a bit of name dropping, but many years ago, I went to interview the president of Switzerland. This is many years ago, more than 50 years ago. I went to interview the president of Switzerland, and Switzerland, as you know, was neutral during the Second World War. I met this man, and his moustache was absolutely a dead ringer for Hitler's moustache. He looked he even looked a bit like Hitler. His oh. hair was like Hitler's. His moustache was like Hitler's. He himself was a very moderate and nice man. It was an extraordinary thing to wow. do. And this was, you know, as I choice. say, this was in the 1960s. The The war was only 20 years over. What an extraordinary thing to do. To that dress is yourself. extremely weird. Very, very yes. weird. Anyway, go on. Well, there's the Kaiser moustache as well. Ah. Um, also the Kaiser Bill moustache. So that's in the manner of William II, the Emperor of Germany, the Kaiser. Um, yeah. Wilhelm. There is a walrus moustache, which oh, is the that. long, thick and drooping one. Um, so cool because it's resemblance to the whiskers of a walrus. And the soup strainer ah. is a soup strainer as well, <laughs> which I actually am not sure I know what a soup strainer one looks like. Well, it means it's so it. shaggy. It's so shaggy. It comes right over your lips. Oh, and okay. as you drink your soup, you have to drink it through the moustache. Oh, I see. It's a long, okay. straggling moustache. Yes. Um, and then there's the 
Burnside. Um, oh. Now, this was a moustache in combination with whiskers on the cheeks, but no beard. And eventually, of course, this gave us side burns. And is this named after a general called General Burnside, who was Absolutely. in the Civil War? Tell us about him. Absolutely. General Ambrose Burnside, 19th century um, US Army officer, who sported these. And over time, we flipped Burnside to sideburns because we thought, oh, well, these are sides that are on the on the burns. So, yes, there we go. Sideburns, how interesting. Yeah. It's a funny source of the um, of the word, isn't it? Burnside becomes sideburns. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I can, I can, actually, I can imagine you with sideburns. Yeah, well, I suppose when they were fashionable, I'm just a creator, I just follow the crowd. Um, but I won't be having a beard again. It didn't suit me, though perhaps I should now because I've got these jowls. I should cover them. Now, a beard, a beard is yes. a strong word, like hair. Unlike moustache, which does feel continental, is beard Germanic in origin? Well, uh, yes, we have a Bart in German, and actually the most wonderful word for a moustache in German is a Schnurrbart, <laughs> uh, which I love. But all of them are related to the Latin barber, uh. B-A-R-B-A, the beard, which of course gave us the barber who cuts our hair. Oh. And that's the same as the French, of course. In barbe, barbe. Is, is the French for barbe, for beard, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. Oh. And it's also used for the chin tuft of some animals, like a lion or a goat. Yeah. And if you heard the expression to beard the lion in its den yes. um, or its lair, which is to challenge someone or to confront them on their own turf, if you like. And it was interesting, look, the, his the history of um, moustaches and beards are really interesting. So to invade someone's personal space enough to be able to pull their beard was always seen as quite an aggressive or provocative act. You can imagine that. And in fact, when Francis Drake described his expedition to Cadiz, he summarised it as the singeing of the King of Spain's beard, oh, in other yes. words, the sort of ultimate act of defiance. And so in the Middle Ages, to run in someone's beard was to defy them. And then by the 16th century, you could beard them. And then we upped the ante by adding a lion into the mix a little bit later. Well, there's another phrase that is connected with the face and beards or lack of them, a barefaced lie. What's the yes. origin of that? Yes, well, that's simply because a clean-shaven face can't conceal any lies. So for a long time, beards were, I mean, honestly, the, the fashion goes around and around in circles, but for a long time, beards were associated with being underhand or cunning or crafty or duplicitous. And so if you were barefaced, you didn't even care whether you, um, if people saw your deception, you were just, it was just all out there, really. And then staying with beards, mm. there's a really interesting theory, which I don't think has been proven yet, which is that the word bizarre comes from a Basque Spanish word, bizarra, Love. which meant to beard. In the same way, actually, that the Spanish for a man with a moustache, hombre de bigot, was a man of spirit. And it's possible that we got bigot from there as well, a moustache. Well, so what we do know is that the Portuguese bizarre, I don't know how to pronounce that in Portuguese, actually, was, but that meant a handsome or a courageous man. Oh, and then the meaning slipped weirdly to mean weird, grotesque or surreal. But maybe, just maybe that's because we've, we've viewed beards that way over the years. So it's possible that bizarre goes back to beard. Um, but what we do know is that if you make a rebarbative comment, it's an objectionable one. It's a not very nice one. Um, and that does go back to a beard because it means you're standing beard to beard against someone and being quite confrontational. 
barbaric, on the other hand, you might think goes back to the Latin barba, meaning a beard, but that has nothing to do with it. It goes back to the Greek. Do you remember this? Barbaros, which was based on bar, 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 because they thought that all foreigners spoke in a completely unintelligible way and therefore they were heathens and aka barbarians. Let's take a quick break and then I want to ask you if you can explain why my wonderful, handsome grandson, uh, Keo, who's only about 18, is wearing a mullet. Oh. oh, my goodness gracious me. They're back in fashion, aren't they? This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Something Rhymes with Purple, and we're talking about hair. Do you remember the musical called Hair? I do, but I don't think I saw it. I remember the film Hairspray, Ah, which much I more recent. Yes. No, in the 1960s, there was a big show, controversial um, at the time, because it included a moment, literally a moment of nudity uh, in it. And um, it, it was called Hair, and it was a kind of alternative musical. Hugely popular. I remember seeing it in the West End when I was still a teenager. Um, a great show. It tells the story of, of the tribe, a group of sort of long-haired hippies uh, of the age of Aquarius. And they, they're living in New York, and they're fighting against conscription uh, into the Vietnam War. It's, it, it comes from that 1960s uh, rebellion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was huge off-Broadway, then on Broadway, and then came to uh, England. And there was this moment where everyone was supposed to take off their clothes. And I, I remember Floella Benjamin, uh, mm-hmm. who I love, telling me, now Dame Floella Benjamin, Order of Merit, telling me that she was in the original cast in London of uh, Hair and wouldn't take off all her clothes because uh, her, she thought her mother might be coming to one of the performances. So when everyone did take off their clothes, she was, I think, the only member of the cast who was still wearing sort of brown pants. Uh-huh. That's incidental information. Incidental. But I do remember also, because my mum loved musicals, the South Pacific song, I'm Going to Wash That Man um, Right Out of My Hair, which is superb, song. isn't it? Wonderful song. It is a great song. Uh, right, Mullet. The mullet. The mullet is back in fashion. No. And I don't know who in their right minds ever thinks that a mullet is a good look. Because it's just not. What is the source of the name mullet? Where does that come from? Okay, well, possibly, and quite fittingly from my point of view, and you can tell I'm extremely biased when it comes to this. We, we should explain in case, just in case, um, other countries don't have the mullet. This is a hairstyle that's really short in the sides, but then inexplicably long mm. in the back. Um, and it is possible that it comes from the term mullet head, meaning a stupid, dull person. Oh, really? Um, yes. Um, but it's also the name of a North American fish. 
which has a large flat head, which apparently has got a reputation for stupidity. I don't know. But the reference to the haircut definitely came into the mainstream with the Beastie Boys. Do you remember them? They sang a song called Mullet Head. Number one on the side and don't touch the back. Number six on the top and don't cut it whack, Jack. So, um, yes. So mullet goes back much further than that. But mullet head... It's from the 19th century and the mullet haircut is thanks to the Beastie Boys. Oh, Fringe and Quiff, where do they come from? (laughs) Fringe and a Quiff. So Quiff is nice, actually. Uh, The Quiff is that sort of brushed up or whipped up curl or lock of hair that goes up over the forehead. Um, And we're not completely sure, but it may be connected to the use of Quiff to mean a puff or whiff of tobacco smoke. So it's almost as if your hair has been taken up in a gust of wind, which I quite like. So that's a nice one. And what was the other one you told me about? Quiff and? Fringe. Oh, fringe. So a fringe has been used to mean, obviously, a piece of decoration on a piece of furniture, for example, or anything that sort of skirts the edges of something, the border or outer edges. Um, We I'm not completely sure where it comes from, but it may be from a Latin word meaning fibres or little shreds. So the idea is that these are very thin pieces that um, adorn or embellish something. And of course, in America, they call them bangs. Ah. And not completely sure about that, but we think it's just a bang cut is a very straight cut, which a lot of fringes are, Um, you know, much as you might have slap bang meal or that kind of thing. So simply the idea that something is extremely straight and quick. So a fringe in America is a bang or bangs. Your bangs, yes. Your bangs. What your about bangs. braid? Is are those? Is yeah. that hair that is braided? Yes, your bra- braids can be really, really beautiful. So they're interlaced strands, really, of any flexible material. Um, but braided hair is lovely. And actually, that also goes back to the same idea as bang, something sort of fast and quick, because there's an old English word that meant to make a sudden move movement, such as you might make when you're interweaving or knitting. Very good. Well, look, you've made my day today by telling me that when people are saying I'm bizarre, my appearance is bizarre, it's actually a compliment. Um, <laughs> not what I thought oh. it was, which is, which is good. Lovely. Well, now look, we we now have some correspondence, and uh, if there ever anything you'd like us to talk about, you just have to get in touch with us. We we like talking about anything and everything. And if you have things you feel we haven't covered satisfactorily, come back and say, "I want more. I need to know more about hair, or, or whatever it might be." So, who have we heard from today? Well, our first one, uh, we don't have a voice note, um, I don't think, for Bob. Bob Corliss. Dear Susie and Giles, I've only recently stumbled across your wonderful podcast on Spotify, which is both a curse and a blessing. Although sad I haven't heard the podcasts before, I've nonetheless found that there are over 500 episodes that I can now browse and listen to more regularly other than weekly, especially when washing the dishes in the evening. If in one of your podcasts, Giles mentioned Frank Muir, Ah, of course, Frank had a marvellous moustache, didn't he? Anyway, and I immediately recalled Frank being a team captain on Call My Bluff in the 1960s and 70s, and also recalled both Robert Morley and Patrick Campbell as opposing team captains. Oh, this is such a trip down memory lane for me, Bob, yeah. and, because I appeared on Call My Bluff in those days with Frank Muir and Patrick Campbell. And indeed, it was at one of those recordings, I remember Frank Muir was boasting about his a place in the local rifle club. And uh, Frank Muir was going on and on about it, and Patrick Campbell felt he had heard enough. And so when Frank Muir mentioned the rifle club again, under his breath, Patrick Campbell muttered, small bore, I assume. 
Anyway, uh, Patrick Gamble was a very funny man with a stutter. Robert Morley was a very stout man who made you laugh a lot. Frank Muir was a very tall man with a moustache. Anyway, that's by the by. There was only one occasion in all the episodes we had watched on BBC Two when I recognised and knew one of the words, because it was a word that my dad had used all the time, and still does. I've looked online and it appears that the meaning we knew and know is no longer reference. The word is sleds, S-L-E-D-S. The Uh correct answer, definition, that Frank gave was a word of northern origin, we're from North Lancashire, meaning slippers for your feet. Is there any evidence, other than my memory for Call My Bluff, in which slippers can be known as sleds? Many thanks, Bob Corliss. Oh, I remember Call My Bluff as well, which I absolutely loved. Um, Well, Bob, this took me on a bit of a wild goose chase, I have to say, but I finally found it. I looked in so many different dictionaries and glossaries on my shelf and online, etc., But I looked again in the wonderful English dialect dictionary, which um, was this wonderful venture started by Joseph Wright, who was just a collector of dialect and a wonderful lexicographer. And there under sled, there were so many different senses, as you would expect, you know, something that you sit on that you just kind of go down snow upon, etc. But there in tiny, tiny, tiny writing with two lines saying that sleds could also mean worn out shoes. So yes. not exactly slippers, but worn out slightly have seen better day shoes. So it is still there hanging on in the English dialect dictionary, Bob but certainly not in any standard English dictionary that I can find. And I have to say, I haven't heard it, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, so I would just say, if there are any other purple people who do use sleds for slippers or um, or shoes, please do let us know. Well done. Very interesting. And thank you for doing the research, Susie. See yeah. if you can answer Remy's question. Hi, both. Regularly listen to the pod and even play ones I've already heard before bed, as I find your voices calming and it keeps my mind present. Mm. Tonight, as I was listening to an old episode, when a question came to mind, why does the English language sometimes allow plural words to be used instead of the singular? For example, you don't wear a knicker, it's knickers, and even a pair of knickers. But we are referring to one item. Were knickers multiple items at some point? We'd love to know the answer. Well, yeah, I get asked this one quite a lot, actually. And there is a theory, Remy, that the sort of pair of trousers, pair of pants, pair of scissors, etc. harkens back to the days when trousers particularly consisted of two separate items. So they were like breeches, really. So mm-hmm. they came up over your thigh, but they weren't attached by the, you know, by the crotch or by the waist or anything. They were put on one at a time, but they were then secured around the waist, but they were always these two separate items, in which case a pair of makes absolute sense. And it does seem highly likely that the um, the pair of usage goes well, is essentially restricted to items that have two components. So binoculars, they have two lenses for your eye. Scissors, they have two blades, etc. And so it's it's very likely whether or not it began with the trousers being as two separate items. It, it came to be referred to things that had two separate holes, like knickers, trousers, you know boxer shorts, etc. And what these are called in linguistically are plurale tantum, which means plural only. And that's a noun used oh, no. only in the plural form. So you couldn't have knicker, for example, and you couldn't have panty. Um, I think somebody has tried that on Countdown before and I've had to say, no, it's panties only, I'm afraid, which is a bit of a weird thing to say. But anything that's bifurcated that can be divided into two falls into the category of a plurale tantum. That's very good. Can I ask you something about twins? 
Is it yes. a set of twins rather than a pair of twins, or is it a pair of twins? Or is that tautological? I think a pair of twins would be tautological, so I think you just say twins. Because you'd imply that, in fact, four people there. Yes, yes. If a pair of twins came into the room, it would be four people coming in. Exactly. But if a set of twins came in, it would be two people coming in. Yes. But then, confusingly, twin can mean... No, that's not confusing. It can mean a pair of. So a pair of twins is a pair of a pair of. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, Yeah, it is confusing. And and nobody ever said that English wasn't uh, a little bit eccentric. I suppose two twins could come into a room. Possibly. And they might well be just two people, but the two twins are from different families. (laughs) Otherwise, it would be a set of twins if they were the same family. Oh, I love all this. I love all this. Uh, well, keep keep your letters coming because you take us down interesting um, paths and you take us into interesting remote places with your trio of words. I don't know how you keep on coming up with... I think you invent some of these words. You think, oh, well, it's time to do the recording. What haven't we done? Oh, I can't remember. And you just think of a word like tabanka, you know. Is that one of your threesome this week? And what does it mean? <laughs> tabanka, how did you know? Is it there on your script? Uh Yes. Tabanka is um, a word from Caribbean English, actually. And it is all about the pain and the frustration and the anger as well, all the mixed emotions that come from unrequited love. So, yes, it's it's a sad, sad word um, oh. that packs a whole host of emotions, but we've all been it's a there. wonderful, wonderful word, It is, Tabanka. isn't it, Tabanka? And my Ooh, great. second word is actually the antonym really, to Tabanka, because this is requited love. Uh, and it's a, a strange sounding word that I'm sure I've mentioned to you before, redomancy. So R-E-D-A-M-A-N-C-Y, redomancy. And it is really the state of being adored in return. Um, in other words, you adore someone and they adore you back, which is really quite lovely. The most wistful line in Shakespeare, I often think, is spoken by Sir Andrew Aguecheek in Twelfth Night. Do you know the line I'm thinking no. of? The line is simply this. I was adored once too. It conjures up so much wistful sadness, yeah, doesn't it? Absolutely. Anyway, redomancy is is mutual having been adored and ador- having loving and loving back. Can you imagine anything worse than putting into the air the phrase, I love you, expecting something <laughs> reciprocal and silence falls. Well, or the worst, worst response to that would be, I know. Um, that would not be good moving swiftly on Mm. well the next the third word actually might describe how you would feel if you told someone I love you and weren't quite sure what you get in return it's from Norwegian and I am sure that we have talked about this and we talked about emotions because it's just such a pithy way of describing a mixed emotion Uh, Grugleder in Norwegian and Grugleder means looking forward to something but dreading it at the same time. So it's a happy dread. So it's almost as you feel when you are heading to the airport to go on holiday, you are sort of dreading the whole charade and process of it. But equally, you are quite betwitted and excited. Gruglider, which is pronounced, uh, sorry, we've just pronounced it for you, which is spelled G-R-U-G-L-E-D-E, Gruglider. I think you should produce a dictionary of Susie's trios one day. Um, yeah, I do, because I think people would love to, because 
Unless you write it down at the time, you can't remember these words. No, uh, no, really I just, I hopefully will just give some people satisfaction that these words even exist. Um, like your poems, which you often remember off by heart. Yes, my poem today, and once upon a time, I probably did know these words because they're lyrics, really, rather than a poem. We talked about the musical Hair from the yeah. 1960s, the alternative musical, and there was a wonderful song called Hair. Hair, 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 hair. Flow it, show it, long as God can grow it. My hair, I want it long, straight, curly, fuzzy, snaggy, shaggy, ratty, matty, oily, greasy, fleecy, shining, gleaming, streaming, flaxen, waxen, knotted, polka-dotted, twisted, beaded, braided, powdered, flowered, and confetted, bangled, tangled, spangled, and spaghettied. Oh, say, can you see my eyes if you can? Then my hair's too short. Down to here, down to here. I want hair down to where it stops by itself. They'll be gaga at the go-go when they see me in my toga. My toga made of blonde, brilliantined, biblical hair. My hair, like Jesus wore it. Hallelujah, I adore it. Hallelujah, Mary loved her son. Why don't my mother love me? Hair, 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 hair. Flow it, show it, Long as God can grow it, hair, my hair, my hair, 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 flow it, show it, long as God can grow it, long as God can grow it, my hair. Wow, that one is made for performance, and boy, did you give it some welly. Are you going to flow it and show it? Well, you know what my head looks like. <laughs> I wish I'd started getting hair transplants or wearing a wig years ago. Now people would know that I was doing it. It's quite I thick at the back, isn't it? I mean, maybe you should consider a mullet. Well, indeed. Or or maybe a comb over. All the long stuff at the back could be combed over to the front. <laughs> Please That's don't. a funny idea, isn't it? I won't do that. Oh, thank you so much for keeping us company today. Not just to you, Giles, but to all the purple people who are listening around the globe. Um, please keep following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, wherever you get your podcasts. And as Giles mentioned at the top, for more purple, please consider the Purple Plus Club if you fancy ad-free listening and some exclusive bonus episodes on words and language. Something Rhymes with Purple is a Sony Music Entertainment production produced by Nyadeo with additional production from Jen Mystery, Charlie Murray, Ollie Wilson and oh the man who well what a beard it's bizarre it's brilliant it's bushy it's Richie <laughs> it's Richie and boy is he flowing it and showing it as I have to tell the purple people he is sucking a lollipop 